views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Dwell among all God's people when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil. When the feast that feeds you starves our father's children. When snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the sea spill over and the Mountains shake, break, and fall. If the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, rise up. No matter if the prize is high in the skies or deep, deep in perdition. If our leaders are globally despised and always seem to rise through attrition or blatant nepotism. If women and children have to live in impossible conditions. If you have to die due to someone else's damn decisions, rise up. When innocent citizens perish. So you treat me like a modern slave, Mr. Jailer. I've got to say. I wear uniforms, you wear uniforms too. Treat me 
Welcome to the program, uh, Max. I'm not able to I'm hear. I'm here. I'm here, brother. Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate, agitate, agitate on the issue of 21st century legalized slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas with New Abolitionists and Actionists, Johanna Elia and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is the February 1st, 2017 broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio, five weeks deep into 2017 and Trumplandia, the first day of Black History Month. The song you heard earlier was by Asa, a Nigerian and French multi-award winning singer-songwriter. Our guest tonight will be the author, will be author of the book How's It Feel, Tough Guy, From Prisoner of Pride to Prisoner of Hope, Mike Palombi at MikePalombi.com. We'll also discuss the upcoming Millions for Prisoners March on Washington, D.C. and our efforts so far. The abolitionist in profile will be provided by Scotty Reed and our writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad this week is a little unusual. It is Jacqueline Craig and her two daughters. The rest of the night belongs to you. We want you to call in and join us. Toll free USA 1-866-510-9025. You can now listen to the live stream of, of Black Talk Radio's YouTube page. If you'd like to share a comment or question, just call that toll-free number that I just gave you. You can chat with us and others by logging in at uberconference.com slash blacktalkradionetwork. Once again, I'm Max Parthas. Peace, Scotty. I understand Johanna is not going to be able to make it tonight. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw that message. Um, so I know he's with us in, in spirit. But just a quick correction. Uh, no, we're not live streaming the program on YouTube in, uh, in, anymore. Um, <clears throat> not a whole lot of people watching the live stream, although they do watch the videos. Um, so we changed up there. We're live streaming on Spreaker now, but you know, uh, those people on those platforms, they know how to find us, but we just want to make sure that you know the network home is blacktalkradionetwork.com. If you want to listen, that's where you go. I kind of like the YouTube thing because it allowed me to save those videos in a playlist uh, well, uh, we did. We will be doing. It's just a different process now. We're not live streaming, though. All right, sounds perfect. Yeah, they um, will be uploaded to YouTube. All the podcasts will still get uploaded to YouTube, uh, except for a couple that like to use a lot of copyrighted music. And but uh, yeah, you'll still be able to get it on our YouTube channel, Black Talk Radio. 
No doubt, brother. <laughs> you can always cut that part out. My bad. I've been trying to tell myself that I want to start including a little bit more poetry and music into what we're doing here because what revolution is going to work without music and poetry? You got to have some music and poetry. So I've been throwing that in there. Yeah, and that's good, but we got to get we got to get their permission. You know, the the music industry is no joke. Uh, they don't play. Um, and um, I, I just don't see the need for us, and I'm talking in general, Max. I'm talking about people that's in getting into podcasting, because a lot. If, if for people that don't know the industry news, podcasting is really blowing up, and that is why I'm also doing these classes every Saturday. And one of the things we're covering this Saturday is copyrighted music and podcasting. If you're doing a talk podcast, there's plenty of, of, of music that's not copyrighted that you can use to enhance your, your, your broadcast or your podcast. I'm just trying to save people unnecessary headaches down the road of, you know, when the music industry start hitting them up or, or uh, putting ads on your videos that they profiting from. I can understand that. I have quite a collection of uh, submitted material that I've already got permission from, so I'll start using that already. You know, uh, we've been working in the music industry and spoken word industry for like 20 years, so I've got a huge library of things that people have sent me and said, Max, you can use this for whatever you like. Yeah, <laughs> so and I got hip-hop artists that. that send me tracks as well that I share on BTR News, but it's just, I, just anybody listening, it's just important that you get your ducks in a row. Right, understood, man. Um, how has your week been? Uh, anything new? Oh, man, it's been a great week. Um, you know, um, I don't want to give out too much information, but um, I got into a business dispute with someone some months ago, and um, it was an arbitrator, and they found against me. I was like, okay, whatever, whatever, and forgot about it. Then this morning, months, months, months later, uh, they reversed their decision and found in my favor. So that was a pleasant surprise. So I've been che- uh, cheery all day, Max. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a, always a nice day when you don't have to come out your own pocket, right? Right, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I've had a, 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 well, you know, I'm always having a busy week, man. And as we get closer to the Millions for Prisoners March on Washington, it gets even busier. Uh, I've been trying to uh, communicate with the NAACP, as you well know, and I told people last week about, as actually we did an interview, you and I, and we talked about what had gone on so far, and I had a few more follow-ups on that. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that there's going to be an event on February 8th in Savannah, Georgia, uh, in regards to a town hall meeting sponsored by the NAACP about the 13th Amendment. So I called up Savannah, Georgia, and I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on with this meeting? I'd like to come down and maybe speak to the people if possible. Uh, and I'd also like to get a statement about the 13th Amendment from your chapter. What do you think about it? And the, the, the woman that I spoke to, she was very cordial and nice, but she had no idea about anything going on in Savannah, Georgia. And they had no statement about the 13th Amendment. She said it might be the collegiate chapter. So I've reached out to the collegiate chapter in Savannah, Georgia, to find out if, if they're the ones that are hosting it. And I'm pretty sure it is them. It just kind of, you know, it's frustrating about it. It's really frustrating that, well, first of all, these elders in the NAACP have not addressed this 13th Amendment the way they are supposed to, and they don't know much about it. 
And then secondly, I'm very proud that the youth do and are taking it upon themselves to do something about. I did get information from you, as a matter of fact, who you got from someone else that informed us that last year there was a um, convention of the NAACP and the topic of the 13th Amendment was brought up. And it was voted on and decided that they did not want to uh, face a com constitutional convention because this was a very hostile climate, considering it's all Republican-controlled at this time. And, you know, the first thing I thought of when I heard that was, when in history has slavery, ending slavery, not been against a hostile climate? I mean, when? Yeah, also, Max, like huh? let me tell you something about that. Um I, man, I'm so busy. I be putting stuff on the back burner, little videos or or articles I need to get out. And then, you know, with, with so much on my plate, I don't always get to them. So let me just tell you the theme of this article because it ties into what, what I think is going, what possibly could be going on with some of these organizations and some of these elders. Okay, um, there was an article that was put out by The Nation. And I respect the nation. They've done a lot of great work, great exposés and, and investigative journalism. Now, but there was a guy, I can't recall his name. I got the article uh, say, but it was a white guy, a white liberal. And he was writing about Jack Johnson. This is before CEO Obama left office. And, and, and Jack Johnson family was trying to get him a pardon. And so this guy makes an argument in this article saying, well, uh, President Obama shouldn't pardon him because Republicans have been working on this. Apparently, there are two Republican senators that's been trying to get uh, uh, Jack Johnson a pardon, including John McCain. And so th this guy was saying, oh, he shouldn't do it because then Republicans will get credit for Jack Johnson getting a pardon. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm saying, I, I, I'm saying to myself, see, these people really don't care. This is a political game to them. They don't care about Jack Johnson's name or his pardon or how his family feel, but they were telling the family not to push for the pardon from Obama, which they did not get anyway. But still, the very fact that you're saying something that would be an act of justice should not be done because of who may get credit for it, so wow. this this could be going on. Oh, we don't want to do this. We don't want to submit an amendment, a constitutional amendment to remove the slavery exception clause because Republicans just might do it. And then they'll get the credit for it. I, I can't play that game, man. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking about slavery. I don't go on here. I don't do what I do looking to get credit. Okay, do people recognize our work? Yes, that's that's all great and at the end of the day. Yes, this is an award-winning uh broadcast. Okay, but that ain't why we do it. We didn't start this saying, "Hey, let's do this and then maybe somewhere down the road somebody give us some credit." You know what I'm saying? No, we are doing this cause slavery is wrong and we just want to do what we could to abolish it. And so anybody that's doing anything just so they can get some credit or you got somebody telling you, oh, don't submit this to so-and-so because we don't want them to get the credit of doing something that's just and right. So I, could you see that possibly being what's going on here too? They don't want Republicans getting credit? 
possible, but I, you know, I've been reading up on some things, and I found out that Alec, the American uh, Liberty uh, American Liberty Exchange Council, is pushing for a constitutional convention in order to repeal the federal income tax and more. So they're already heading towards a constitutional convention, whether we want to go to it or not, whether the time is right or not. These people in power are moving towards it. So we need to get our ducks in order and address the issues that need to be addressed. So, you know, saying you don't want to do it now because it's a hostile climate is, first of all, a bad excuse because it's always been a hostile climate. And second of all, it's putting you in a position for failure because those powers that be who work with ALEC uh, are moving towards a constitutional convention anyway. Well, I put that story about the corporate America is inching even closer to a constitutional convention up on our new abolitionist uh, radio page on Facebook. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, you know that you can listen to us and also check out the links that we provide as we speak on the show. And if you're a first-time listener, please go to Facebook, New Abolitionist Radio, and you'll see the articles that we're sharing that go along with everything that we're saying. Because we don't like to just talk out our behinds, if you know what I mean. We want to back up what we're saying with truth and facts. So you'll find it there. Now, I'm looking forward. Okay, Scotty. Um, yes. Now, I don't know if we're sharing this um, after we speak to our guests, but I'm pretty excited, man, that of the work that our young people are doing. Um you know, I had I had a, a disagreement with someone uh, who was bashing young people and using a stereotypical type language that you usually reserve for right wing racist radio when they talk about our young black black people out here. And so I was like, you know, just really disturbed by that because millennials and Gen Xers built black talk radio and most of the hosts including yourself Max you're you're from the so called generation X we were born in the 60s and and what have you and and so I'm, we know that there's a lot of great work that is being done uh by young people and I'm really really excited about the latest victory uh, that this group of young people just had in targeting Wachovia and getting the uh, University of California, I believe is in the, in the story, getting them to divest hundreds of millions of dollars from Wachovia because, and pointing out we're doing this because what? Because you're investing in private prisons. You're invested in modern day slavery and human trafficking. And these young people were able to get the, to get the uh, regents to uh, uh, divest themselves from from Wells Fargo. I'm sorry, did I say Wachovia? I meant Wells, Wells Fargo. Fargo. How many times have we brought up the fact that, Max, didn't you even go to a church and got turned down when we, I, I do remember us talking about these churches yes. that are putting their money in these banks that are invested in slavery. But you want to talk about some mass incarceration, but you let you putting your money with people who profit from modern day slavery. So that is a big, I mean, if you didn't already take your money out because they was creating fake accounts based on their, you know, st basically stealing their customers' information, you know, uh, uh, maybe now you'll see that we mean business. 
and that there are people who are serious about uh, getting rid of this system by any means necessary. And I'm talking about slavery, getting rid of the institution. That is a great, and maybe we'll get into the details later, but I do know we scheduled to have a guest. Uh, Do you know what time they'll be calling in? Yes, I told them we bring them at 420. Um, And just to put that number out there that you were just mentioning, Scotty, we're not talking about chump change. $475 million. Scotty, if you could count all the money we've cost the prison here, the new movement, man, it would probably be over a billion dollars by now, easily. It's over a billion dollars. And this is the second time the University of California has taken money out. Originally, I believe it was like $30 million that they had invested. And again, the students pushed them to get rid of that from directly invested in the private prisons, not just in Wells Fargo, but the private prisons itself. So now it's uh, Wells Fargo. So that's wonderful. I am very proud of this young generation. They know what's up and they are willing to step forward and speak the truth and act upon what they know. Uh, unlike our politically correct elders who seem to be very docile right now, uh, unwilling to take on the challenges that we face in these life-or-death situations. Well, Max, it is. um, um, Are are you able to see the board? Do you see our guests? If we do have our guests on, because it's 21 after, uh, please hit star, Um, star, and we'll bring you right on. There you go. Here's Star, and we will bring bring you right on. Uh, as yeah, Star, said, Star. Our guest today is Mike Palombi, as I mentioned earlier. from He's the author of How's It Feel Tough Guy, from Prisoner of Pride to Prisoner of Hope. And uh, I met him inadvertently uh, recently. You know, he, he has a blog, and uh, he published a couple articles on it, and I was reading through it. It's wonderful material. Uh, brother knows what he's talking about, and uh, I, I added some information that would help him in his research and maybe clarify things a little bit more. I think we had a discussion over whether this is simply just a human rights issue or if it is also primarily race-based and a human rights issue. And I think Mike was surprised at some of the figures that I, I showed him. Mike, are you here? Mike? Yeah, um, he would need to hit star, star. Uh, to unmute yeah, himself. Star on your phone, Mike. Okay, he may not be with us, Max. So that's... Oh, yeah, I hear. I see him. He's in Kearney, New Jersey. He's here. Uh, he's muted. I'm gonna unmute you. Uh, there we go. All right, Mike. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Max. <laughs> All right, there you go. Welcome How to New Abolitionist Radio, brother. Uh, hey, it's, good it's, to see you, man. Yes, indeed, man. Um, if you want, just. Say hello to the audience and tell them a little bit about yourself and what it is that you're doing these days. Okay, so my name's Mike Palumbi. I'm the oh, author. One more thing, by the way, Scotty Reed, Mike Palumbi. Mike Palumbi, Scotty Reed. Nice to meet you, so Mike. You Scotty Reed, and who else? It's just myself and Scotty Reed here today, okay. my co Max and Scotty. All right, all right, man. Well, look, look, you know what? Since I got out of prison, I've been a contractor. I had a call in my life a number of years ago to write a book, and the book is called How's It Feel, Tough Guy, From Prisoner of Pride to Prisoner of Hope. Um, turned out to be an award-winning uh, memoir regarding uh, recovery um, and reform. And, um, and so that book has taken me into a new area in my life. You know, uh, I've kind of, like getting into this movement with mass incarceration is something uh, somewhat new to me. It's, 
it's kind of weird. You ever been to a place like you hadn't been in 30 years and it's like nothing's changed? That's kind of like what it's like for me. It's like nothing's changed since the time I've been in prison. I've been working with at-risk youth for a number of years. Uh, I lead a recovery group up here called Celebrate Recovery. I'm really connected to Teen Challenge. And so I kind of, because of how bad the system is, I try to get the person uh, before they end up in the system because I know how bad it is. So that's kind of what I've given my life to. But apart from that, I'm a contractor, hardworking guy. You know, I work for what I have. That's, you know, about about the the, the depth of it, you know. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I also understand that your book has been featured on some uh, preeminent uh, media outlets. Uh, like, and, and yeah. you're also really involved with the, uh, I guess you would say, the Christian movement. So yeah, my story is a faith-based story, you know. And um, uh, I was a, uh, I collected money for loan sharks. That's what I did, you know. And um, and I got caught, and I went to prison like I should have went to prison. Um, but here I am, all these years later, and and I wrote this book because you know I've been behind bars, and the future just doesn't look real hopeful from that place. And I want men and women to know that this. Uh, you know, despite how bad things look, this doesn't have to define your life. And I have some key accomplishments in my life that would really speak. And I'm not an educated man by any means. So this would really speak to men and women behind bars. Like, for example, um, I'm an author and a speaker now. Nobody would have ever predicted that. Um, <laughs> something else no one would have ever predicted is that um, I would become a teacher. And the law says, and I think I spoke to you about this, Max, the law yes, in New Jersey says that I'm disqualified from teaching for life, but yet today I hold a certification for teacher of carpentry in any school in New Jersey. That that should be a message of hope to anybody listening. Um, and and I didn't get it because I knew somebody. I got it, be, I got it because I didn't give up for 30 years, you know, um, pressing on and pressing on. You know, you come out of prison, and everything's stacked against you. You're like it's really hard to have a fighting chance. And um, I made a decision early that um, I wasn't going to go back. There was a lot of hills and valleys, you know. Made a lot of mistakes, but uh, at the end of the day, here I am, uh, not just surviving but thriving in life, and and trying to be an example for men and women who are in prison and coming home. I go into some places and I speak to men and uh, and. And I really feel empowered to do that, not because I learned anything out of a book or I have a degree, but my practical life experience is what gives me kind of the authority to go do that, right? So mm -hmm. that, that's what I do. And, you know, obviously you know I'm in the process of getting credentialed to become a pastor because I really have a heart for men in prison, and, um, and that would be a great avenue uh, for me to be able to make a difference. There's a few things that you and I talked to off air, talked about off air, and I was I would like to bring up a couple of them. First, I want to say that what you were just referring to about the punishment that goes on after you have served your time, we call that collateral consequences, which was coined by our brother Christopher Irving out of Baltimore, Maryland, and came into the show and explained it to us. And he's absolutely right. It is uh, it is collateral consequences. You've already paid your dues, and yet you can't vote. You can't get certain uh, government assistance. You can't get teaching credentials. You can't be employed at X, X, X places. And these are terrible things. 
I'd like to read a quote from your blog, and it's an article titled America's Prison Delusion, uh, part one, the delusion. I'll read from there. It's just a short quote. And it says, it is my position that prisons for profit, combined with the privatization of goods and services supplied to prisons for profit by outside vendors, crosses a line whereby housing inmates becomes more about making a profit than about carrying out justice or affecting positive change in the lives of inmates. This for-profit exploitation of inmates' lives, lives constitutes a type of human trafficking, as I understand the United Nations definition of human trafficking and should be defined as such, until which time our approach to prisons and reform changes. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel strongly about that. Do I think everybody believes like I believe? No. I mean, I'm very familiar with the 13th Amendment. You know, even back when I was in prison, I heard about the 13th Amendment and about it being a form of slavery. Uh, you don't have to press me hard to see <laughs> incarceration through a lens of slavery. What is a slave other than someone whose life is totally and fully controlled by another human being, Right. So when you look at the amendment and it says that, you know, neither slavery or involuntary servitude will exist in America with the exception of punishment for a crime where someone's been duly convicted, well, what you're really saying is slavery will exist in America when somebody's punished of a crime. So, you know, that's just what the amendment says. That's not Mike Columbia saying it. It's not Max saying it. It's what the amendment says. It says that we have slavery in the form of punishment and nothing good has ever come from that and nothing good is ever going to come from that and that's why I say we need to start doing things differently so right. yeah that's my perspective it's a type of human traffic people are making money off of you know uh, our society's most vulnerable people which I said is low-income families, minorities, uh, mentally ill. I mean, there's plenty of our veterans in prison. I mean, the most vulnerable people in our society who are probably, because of their life circumstances, geographically or economically or whatever, are most likely to end up in these situations, right? And so yeah. in, in that respect, to the degree you do nothing about it, and as far as I can tell, nothing's really been done about it since I was in prison in the early 80s. Um, it, it becomes trafficking, and, and it's for profit. So, um, yeah, that's my, that's my position on that. That's a very solid foundation, and you're right about the human trafficking, but maybe even more writer than you might imagine. As we have discussed and documented here on this program, literally transferring their prisoners from state to state in order to fill beds that are contractually guaranteed 80 to 100% occupancy for up to 25 years. And if those beds are not filled in places like Arizona, uh, the taxpayer is subject to what's called a low crime tax, which makes up the difference for those empty beds. And I so have they send prisoners from places like Hawaii to Arizona or places like Vermont to Michigan. I yeah, have a quick question. You were telling me about that. That's, uh, that's incredible. I have a quick question for you, Mike. Um, are you, just for the record, would, would you uh, classify yourself as a new abolitionist? 
I would say, in the truest sense of the definition abolitionist, and what an abolitionist is, right, uh, somebody who's fighting against slavery, and, and you take my words that I've already said, I look at, I look at incarceration as a form of slavery for the reasons I said that, then yes, I would say that I would be, I would consider myself an abolitionist in terms of getting that removed from the 13th Amendment. Now, obviously, you have to have some kind of approach to crime and punishment, but this isn't it. You know, today, um, you know, Max, you had on your Facebook page um, this video of what's going on in Delaware. And i got to tell you something. Yeah. I didn't know anything about that prison riot in Delaware. And even when I saw it, I said, where is this? And I went on the news, and nowhere. Nowhere did I see it. You know, so now... What really disturbed me, like, I just sat there and I read the comments about, you know, that were coming up one after another after another, right? And it was just very sad to see the disposition of the American people regarding inmates and prisons and all that. Because here's the situation, and this is something I didn't tell you, Max. I was on the PRC in prison. I was on the Prison Representative Committee. And more than likely it was because I could read and write and document, and you know what I'm saying? And communicate yes. that way. And so every prison has them. Representatives throughout the prison who represent the tier or the wing, whatever, and we take our concerns to the warden or superintendent once a month. And so this thing in Delaware, like, lest people be fools, I don't think for a minute this is the result of just a bunch of crazy inmates going off. This is something that I would guarantee you has been festering for months, if not for years. And it, it, it happened as a result of nothing being done. See, so here's the situation. When I was in prison, right, and we brought our concerns to the administration, and we have this meeting, and then they don't answer it. And then the next month we have a meeting, and we, we, we and, and, and our, our um, you know, our concerns at that time were really human rights violations. The food was unfit for, for eating. The medical care wasn't adequate. Um, and they were causing men to work outside and sub forcing men to work outside. There's that involuntary servitude thing. Forcing men to work outside in sub-zero temperatures without the proper clothing. So these were the concerns we went to administrate with. For four months in a row, maybe six months, they didn't answer it. And all that did was provoke the inmates. And eventually the inmates, you know, look. The average grade level of an inmate in prison is about the fourth or fifth grade. That's the reality, right? So you're talking about men who necessarily didn't make great decisions in life, and that's why they're in prison, and now you're provoking them, and you're watching things around you happening, and you're enduring those consequences every day, and they responded in the only way they knew how, and there was an uprising in my prison. And, and what led to it, too, was one of the men who wouldn't eat the liver – they took 10 men who wouldn't eat the food because it was green, and they brought them to Max Custody up in uh, Trenton. Trenton State Prison is a very bad prison right in Jersey, Max Custody. They, they took these guys, they stripped them naked, chained them all together, and marched them through the prison naked, wow. making, them, making them chant deprecating comments about themselves and beating them with clubs. And every one of those inmates went to the hospital, and one of them died. You don't hear about that you know, in the news. Like, people don't understand what led, what really led up to today. So I hear about this today. I'm like, well, what, what's going on? You know, guys kind of understand why they're in prison. 
you know, we know we did something wrong, but the human rights violations that go on in prison are just an outrage in the day and age that we live in. It just should not be happening. So you're was, right. Go ahead. No, I said you're right, but I would like to point out something that maybe you might not be aware of. 97% of the 125,000 federal inmates have been convicted of nonviolent crimes. Often these are debt crimes or uh, something like personal possession of small amounts of uh, uh, drugs. It's believed that more than half of the 623,000 inmates in municipal or county jails are innocent of the crimes they are accused of. Of these, the majority are awaiting trial. Two-thirds of the one million state prisoners have committed non-violent offenses. So then, yeah, no, I know that. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. And stuff like that. You know, often these are people who have done nothing but not be able to pay their bail or not be able to pay their fines or uh, something as simple as we reported here in New York where the uh, New York Police Department was falsifying as many as half a million tickets, <laughs> falsifying them, things for littering and stuff like that, and they're sending people to prison behind them. For no other reason than it's human trafficking and slavery. They're making money on the bodies. These stocks are being sold on the open market. Yeah, look, I've seen a lot of things in my day. We could spend till tomorrow morning talking about it, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but these same people that are the nonviolent offenders, you know, I was a violent offender, but yet, you know, everybody's locked together, you know, experiencing the same exact consequences. And look, you talked about the people locked up in county jail. Don't they have a right to a speedy trial? Some of these guys are in there for two years before the trial right. ever ever even comes up. You know? Yep. Sixth Amendment violations. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so the thing is, is how do you fix that? How do you fix what's wrong in prison? Um, well, that's a, a big question. To be able to identify the problem, but how do you fix it? Well, and you fix like, it. I, I'm looking. Go ahead. Well, I, I'm I'm sorry, Mike, and I do want to share something from your blog uh, um, uh, before you go. Um, but how do you fix it? Well, you start punishing the people responsible for the human rights violations, and these are crimes. If you ask me, chaining people, stripping people down naked, chaining them together, marching them no. through a prison oh, yeah. while beating them is a crime. That's a crime. Yeah, and I'm not making this up. You can look like what I'm talking about is a fact. And no, I, I hear you. And they should be, look, Thanksgiving Day, 1984, no, I'm sorry, 1983, I was in the Essex County Jail. That's where I got arrested. That's where I spent my time before I went down to state prison. Thanksgiving Day of 1983, I spent the day listening to men being raped all day while the cops let it go on. They were taking men and they were, you know, they were um, kind of, you know, using a mop handle on them. And the yelling and the screaming and the cheering and then the, the inmates begging for help and the cops, like accomplices to the crime, right, did nothing about it. They should be in prison. They did nothing, they did nothing about it. That, that kind of thing... I got it, you know, there's got to be punishment. I didn't I didn't live my life responsibly. I didn't, you know, use my freedoms responsibly. I have to be locked up. I understand that. But now you've crossed the line, and that's where the human rights violations are, and those people should be in jail because the crimes they committed are really worse than what kept these guys in the jail. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a crazy system, and it needs to be changed. But it's like I'm looking around because I'm just coming back into this kind of thing where I want to have a voice because of the successes I've had in life. I want to take, like, for example, the fact that I have a teaching certification and they'll leave me alone in a classroom with children. I want to take that, and I want others to benefit by it. I want to figure out a way to do it. You know, I'm going to be sitting down with a congressman in a couple of weeks, you know, and a couple of other people I know. But I want people to benefit from the steps that I've taken. I want to be an agent of change, you know. And I really, you know, I don't know what you guys think, but I say, how does that happen? And I say, well, what, you know, what, what do we want to accomplish, right? We want, we want human beings to, to be healthy so they can, you know, they can kind of aspire and, um, you know, meet the full range of their God-given potentials, right? And so, you know, they say you do that, a person who's healthy, like the definition of health is someone who is functioning well physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Now let's take a look at inmates, people going into the system. You know, are they functioning well physically? Are they functioning well mentally or socially or spiritually? No, no. And when they come home, chances are there's just the layers of injury added on top of what they came in there bearing already. And I think we have to develop an approach where our institutions really become like, you know, um, centers for reformation and restoration to equip and position people to succeed when they come home. Um, this idea that longer sentences and harsher punishment is going to change anything is just believing a lie. You and we've been believing that lie for way too long. You, and so I think we have to start coming from a perspective of creating change in the people coming in there. I want to highlight... I'm sorry? So you want to say something, Scotty? Yeah, I wanted to highlight something from... Uh, his website, MikePalambi.com. Uh, you wrote a post, Americans Prison Delusion, Part 1, The Delusion. And I just want to share uh, this particular paragraph. It says, the issue of mass incarceration in our nation is not a black problem, nor a white problem, nor a Spanish problem. Mass incarceration in the United States is a human problem. and needs to be addressed in exactly that way if we are ever going to solve the problem. No society or persons within a society should be empowered to have control over or profit by their control over other human beings who may be vulnerable, susceptible, or have a propensity to come under the controls of those making a profit by providing the service of controlling them. It is my position that prisons for profit combined with the private of goods and services supplied to prisons for profit mm-hmm. by outside vendors crosses a line whereby housing in inmates becomes more about making a profit than about carrying out justice or affecting positive change in the lives of inmates. And this is the last uh, sentence. This for-profit exploitation of inmate lives constitutes a type of human trafficking. As I understand the United Nations definition of human trafficking and should be defined as such until which time our approach to prisons and reform uh, changes and you do provide a link to the documentation. What is human trafficking? Thank you, thank you for writing that. Um, I want to agree with everything you said in this. While we are a black radio station and we make a lot of media, most our media is targeting that certain demographic 
um, we do recognize that this is a universal human problem. Many other issues. While black men, specifically and and increasingly black women, are the primary uh, victims of what we call what we know to be slavery and human trafficking, it it affects a whole lot of people as well. And I and I just like to remind people of that fact because then you have people like like say maybe Hispanics or maybe white people and they'd be like oh that don't affect me long as they just targeting them we'll be all right we ain't gonna worry about it but but they're wrong it is affecting yeah. all of us and I just want to thank you for recognizing Scotty, it you know it's like like the facts bear out the facts bear out and they're inarguable like indefensible that. Black man, black black people are locked up at five to ten times the rate of white people. The facts just bear that out, right? And for that reason, uh, black people in the statistics that I have make up forty-one percent or forty percent of the prison population. Is that close to right, Max? Uh, with, if you add in the Hispanic population, it's close to seventy percent. Right. Well, here's what I'm saying. My point is this. Um, the thing that I have says if you take the black population alone, that's forty percent. Right. The white, the white inmates, even though they're underrepresented, they still make up thirty nine percent. That's eight hundred and ninety thousand men and women, and that's nine hundred and twenty thousand black men and women. That's a lot of people. And what I'm saying is, it's a human problem because no one, we can't fight this problem alone. And I'm looking around. And I'm, I'm, I'm on a lot of different sites because I'm really trying to find where I'm going to fit in. And I'm going to a place in New York next week to speak at a mass incarceration thing. But there's so much venom being spewed. And, and, and I feel like in the venom being spewed, it, it's just excluding people. We have to put any other differences we have aside and be micro-focused like on this issue of mass incarceration, together united, white, black, Spanish, everybody to make it change because we can our voices together can make a change you know but i don't i i see I see it being difficult individually and so yeah i mean even the spanish population is 437,000 right that's a lot of people we we want to be we want to include everybody this is america's problem and america's paying the price every year this taxpayer's right. money is going to pay for failure for like 35, 40 years now, you know? A few months ago, I was uh, one of the main speakers at a human rights conference, uh, South Carolina Human Rights Conference, and I sat between the grandson of Sitting Bull and one of the foremost experts on medicinal cannabis in the world. And we were talking about this particular instance, what we're saying now, that it is a human rights issue that faces us all whether it's Sitting Bull's grandson or this white doctor who's sitting next to me, we are all being affected by this to some degree. And I would also like to point out a statistic. When you mentioned earlier about that Thanksgiving Day, when you had to sit there and listen to these men being raped throughout right. Thanksgiving Day, people I, don't I realize how that I might have to bad a problem that you is. Know? In, in the United States right now, to the best of our statistical knowledge, 25 men are raped in prison every hour, 600 a day. And because of the prison systems, the U.S. is the only country in the world where more men are raped than women. And when these 
statistics were brought before the Bureau of uh, Prisons president, he said that they neither had the manpower nor the funding to do anything about it, which we reported here on New Abolitionist Radio. This is a terrible condition. I don't care whether you're a sociopath or somebody who's in there because you owe $500 on a warrant. You should not have to be subject to these types of statistics where 25 men are raped in prison every hour. Yeah, and I agree with you, and that's why we all need to come together. I was looking at that video, man, and just the people just don't care, man. They don't care. And we... There's got to be a be a way to bring this to the forefront, united, uh, respectful, and responsible, and um, and accomplish what it is you're setting out to do. Look, you guys are doing great stuff. I'm just kind of joining the battle um, because I've been fighting it from a different perspective, like trying to prevent people from ever getting in that system. But now, you know, God's putting me on my heart to get involved in other ways and. You know, I'm finding where I'm going to fit in, but certainly, like I said, I am going to be sitting down and talking to this congressman. I am. Send me over any facts you have, because certainly you guys are like, like you know, you have statistic after statistic that I don't ne- 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 um, necessarily have at this point. Mike, Mike, but, um, here's one thing you can mention to him. Get Ask him to support and push the bill, the Justice is Not for Sale Act, which would eliminate... Uh, which would abolish private prisons in the United States as well as provide uh, relief in other areas like uh, phones, you know, how how prisoners' families are charged so much money, you know, gouged on these phone calls. So if you hadn't heard of that bill, it was introduced last year. As far as we know, it's still languishing in Congress. So if you could get that congressman to uh, join on with the others in supporting the Justice is Not for Sale Act. Can you send that to me, please? Actually, um, Scotty, I, I hate to, to be the bearer of bad news, but it recently expired. It expired, so it's not Max. Even anymore. Uh, it, it was some legislation we worked on with uh, the uh, Sanders camp and Keith Ellison, which would eliminate private prisons from the United States permanently and give them two years to pack up and go. But that bill has since expired. We're working with the Millions for Prisoners March on Washington, and we're rewriting that legislation to uh, reinstate it again and push it to once more with some changes in it that we'll see fit. Um, At this time, uh, I think the best thing that we could focus on is being, first of all, presenting the option of abolition, of ending something rather than reforming it, and that would be addressing the seven constitutional sins. And those are the constitutional violations that are happening every single day uh, where it's literally a constitutional crisis. The First Amendment, the uh, Fourth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, the Eighth Amendment, the Thirteenth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, and the Fifteenth Amendment are all part of a constitutional crisis happening right now. And nobody seems to care. You talked about no trials happening and 95% of people going into prisons without a trial, that in itself is a constitutional crisis because according to the Sixth Amendment, we're all guaranteed to a fair and speedy trial. But if 95% of the people are not getting a trial, then that particular amendment does not exist. Right, right. I mean, you can go through the Bill of Rights, you know, the Ten Amendments, and and see problems with a lot of them, you know, Um yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, well, you here's, know, here's what I would like to do. I would like first uh, 
ask Scotty if he has any more questions or comments that he'd like to share with you or ask of you. And then I want to give you the opportunity to say anything you want to our audience, and uh, then we'll uh, have a final comment, and uh, we'll go into our break. Well, so, Scotty, do you have any other questions or comments for yeah, Michael Lundy? Yes, I do not have any more questions. But I just want to say um, it's good to speak to you to Mike, Mike, and hearing you say that you do classify yourself as an abolitionist. Now I can call you a comrade. So welcome, okay. welcome to the ab- new abolitionist movement. Keep doing what you're doing and what God is putting on your heart to do, um, and and just know that there are many, many more of us out here with like minds, and we're growing. We're growing by the day. So just keep up the good fight and doing what you're doing, sir. Yeah, and you do, and I'll keep you guys in prayer because that's what I do. And, um, you know, I would just say to your audience and, um, you know, that this fight has to be – I have never in my life seen division like I see in this nation, and it breaks my heart. Um, that's not a place where I come from. It's not anything I support or endorse in any way, and in fact, I have nothing to do with it. You know, you come onto my site and my Facebook page, I don't represent that at all. I'm about the mission. I'm about focusing on what it is I want to accomplish, and I just um, will I will pray for your organization and for what you're doing, because you are doing great things. I don't know facts that I've read so many statistics since I talked to you the other day. I got to be honest. I'm just like filling my head with numbers, you know, and it's just crazy. <laughs> but, but but I I really I'm I'm happy that we were able to meet and we were able to speak and we have common ground and we want to fight the same fight. And um, if I can ever be, you know, uh, in any way, you know, with, you know, I, I was a failure and I'll be seen that way by a lot of people forever. But you know. I do, I have overcome, and I have succeeded in areas um, that set precedent, particularly where it comes, particularly where it comes to becoming a teacher after, you know, law says I'm disqualified for life for a violent crime. So I want to see that accomplishment in my life affect, you know, thousands of people's lives because I know for a fact no one is better equipped to work with the at-risk population in American schools than people who have been at risk themselves and who have reformed and changed their lives. And I know there's men and women in prison that would give their right arm to be able to have that opportunity someday because coming from the mistakes they made. And I I just don't want them to give up on their dream. Uh, I want them to press on and and to know that it it can happen. But if you can use me in any way, um, I, I would like to say I would be there. Well, I would like to make a personal invitation to you, Mike. Um, and let me first tell our listeners, please go to MikePalombi.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-L-O-M-B-I.com. Pick up his book, read his blog, and uh, support this brother's efforts and what he's trying to accomplish. Now, what I would like to ask you to do for us is to support the Millions for Prisoners March on Washington on August 19th. All of the information can be found at IamWeUbuntu.com. That's I-M-We-U-B-U-N-T-U.com. We'll be coming in force. We want families. We want friends of prisoners all in support of this. 
to attend if possible, and if you cannot attend physically, to at least click that you are going so we can see all these numbers rising and also to maybe support it locally by uh, having events in honor of it uh, at the same time. So if you can be a part of that movement, I would really be uh, appreciative, my brother. Hopefully you'll see it posted on my my page and uh, on my site. And when I go out and speak like I'm going next week in Brooklyn, I'll make sure that, um, you know, I put it out there, you know, anywhere I go. And uh, Thank you I'll, so much. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, look, I'm I, I really having a good time speaking with you guys. Indeed, it has been a pleasure. And i got a feeling we'll be speaking again more because we are comrades. Uh, once again, you've been listening to New Abolitionist Radio. We're here with Mike Poloni. I want to thank you for being a part of our broadcast tonight. God bless and good night, brother. God bless you Peace. as well. Take care. Scott, you want to take our break early? A couple minutes? Um, well, actually, we have um, a call. Uh, someone from oh, okay. 74... Oh, okay, here's a call. All right. Seven so, well, fours. Uh, welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Please state your name, comment. Who are you calling for? <clears throat> Good evening, brothers. This is t- um, Tony Crane. I'm currently calling from Bay City, oh, Michigan. Tony Crane. What's up, brother? Welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nothing much, brother. Um, I was listening, and I heard the um the website for Mike Maloney, but I don't know if I misspelled it right or what it but it didn't it didn't come up when I just tried to search for it. Um would you mind right, repeating I'll it? one more time? It's Mike M I K E P A L O M B I dot com. P A L O M B I dot com. And Max, I'm gonna yeah, go ahead and into the caller. Okay, I got it. If you're on Facebook and you're following us on New Abolitionist Radio's page, I'm gonna go ahead and post a link to the article I read from that's also on his site. But go ahead. It's already with, up, Scott. Oh, it's already up. Okay. 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 Yes, sir. Another question, brothers. Um, do you have any updates on the hostage situation that was happening at that prison earlier today? Um, Yes, the the last update that I had uh, was that they still had as many as four guards being held uh, hostage, and um, that right now all of the prisons in Delaware have been uh, put on lockdown uh, for the time being. Wow. Thank you very much. And I I enjoy um, having the opportunity to listen and um, just um, being involved with fellow Abolitionists, we need more. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just getting started. You know what I mean? I'm trying to pass it on to my child. You know what I mean? I'm a single dad, so I'm just, just trying to do what I have to do for the ancestors and for the culture. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate it. I'm just trying to soak it all up from from you all. Thank you, brother. I know you've been following me now for a while and uh, enthusiastically sharing the information, and I'm very appreciative of that. We firmly believe that the first step to change is to change your mind. And in order to change your mind, you need knowledge. You need understanding. So we help to provide that. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and um, put myself on mute and keep listening in. Thank you. All right. Peace, Tony Crane. Um, you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio right here on the Black Talk Radio Network dot com. Uh, my co-host here tonight with me is Scotty Reed. I'm Max Parthas. We're going to take a couple minutes break for uh, 
pause for the cause. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to open up the lines again. If anybody else wants to call in, we want to hear from you. And uh, we'll share some of the stories and what we think of them that uh, we have available for you tonight. Be right back after these messages. Providing new black media for the masses. Hey, so welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Just to clarify that story that's going on out in Delaware right now. Uh, I'll give you a timeline of events that is occurring, best to our knowledge. An unknown number of prisoners inside James T. Vaughn Correctional Center took control of a building Wednesday morning, injuring one correctional officer and taking four others and fellow prisoners hostage. By Wednesday night, the standoff is in its ninth hour. That's right now. Continued with little progress towards a resolution reported aside from the injured officer being released. About 10.30 a.m. Wednesday, a correctional officer made a radio call for immediate assistance from the prison building C, which houses more than 100 inmates. The prison was put on lockdown at that time, according to State Police Sergeant Richard Brates, or Bratz. Shortly after 2.30, an injured officer was released and then transported to an area hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Bratz said authorities are unaware of any other injuries and said negotiations continue. It is unknown how many prisoners are hostages? At a news conference late Wednesday afternoon, Bratz did not take any questions but said the Department of Corrections would provide hourly updates. Around 2 p.m., the news journal Tipline received a call from a woman who said her fiancé is an inmate at the Smyrna prison and is being held hostage. Then a man's voice was patched into the line and said he was asked by hostage takers to relay demands to the news journal. I'm just doing what I'm told to do. I'm just trying to help man, the man told the news journal reporter. They just need somebody to hear their demands. The man would not give his name because he said he was instructed not to. The demands came in the form of a manifesto or decree or, or mostly called for prison reforms, as Mike Columbia was trying to tell us. I was just, I was just about to say that, Max. Come on now. Yep. Who tries to take and over a they prison? They knew because they wrote a whole damn manifesto ahead of time. Improper sentencing orders, status sheets being wrong, oppression towards inmates, the voice continued. Prisoners funneled a second call to the news journal through a woman who said her son was in Vaughn Correctional and was being held hostage. 
We're trying to explain the reasons for doing what we're doing, one of the voices on the call said. Donald Trump, everything that he did, all the things that he's doing now, we know that the institution is going to change for the worse. We know the institution is going to change for the worse. We got demands that you need to pay attention to, that you need to listen to, and you need to let them know. Education. We want education first and foremost. We want rehabilitation programs that work for everybody. We want the money to be allocated so we can know exactly what is going on in the prison, the budget. The News Journal turned over the audios to police and prison officials. Both were posted to DelawareOnline.com. And you can see this entire um, write-up here on New Abolitionist Radio. There is much more to it, including videos. I have some quick yeah, comments uh, before we get into our main story, uh, which is the African Black Coalition group of uh, young people uh, pushing the University of California to terminate 475 million worth of contracts from Wells Fargo. Um, but on, on that, uh, you were thinking the same thing. Mike just told us that when he was in prison, what occurred? And it just didn't occur because people like rioting or people like fighting or, or you know, they thought they was going to turn the prison into their own plantation. No, people don't do these things. And, you know, last year on the anniversary of the Attica prison uprising, which then turned into a massacre, uh, where we saw prisoners unite together despite their uh skin color despite their religious affiliations but back in Attica in the 1970s this was in New York um, they rose up into with similar demands people just want to be treated like human beings okay and 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 while you know there are some among us that say that prisons should entirely be abolished I haven't gotten there yet. I'm I'm like Mike. I'm like Mike. You know, we have to have something to deal with people who violently uh, violate the rights of other people. So, but, but we should not be putting them in a situation where they're going to be tortured and, and what have you. And if they get out, they're going to come out, you know, worse than they were when they went in. Um, um, so this speaks to that. Um, and then the lack of mainstream coverage of this, like here in North Carolina. There was. I woke up one day to see news stories about prison inmates being transferred to three different prisons here in North Carolina. Well, what was going on? Well, those guys got so tired of the abuse that they was facing, they burnt down the whole prison. They burnt down the whole prison. And so, but this was after about four or five months of a nationwide prison strike, a nonviolent prison strike, um, that that happened probably you know the biggest slavery rebellion in the history of the United States uh, happened across several different prisons. These things aren't occurring for just no reason. These people are not making up these things, and they're only going to continue. They're going to continue. And um, I got a, a email from. Um, NYC Jericho, they part of the National Jericho Movement, which is a which is a, a, a prisoner, political prisoner um, 
organization that uh, primarily advocates for the release of political prisoners, but they're abolitionists as well. And they shared an article with me, uh, sent me an article from the San Francisco Bay View.com says resistance builds against social media ban in Texas prisons. And so what we're starting to see is this pushback from the system uh, because these guys sometimes are able to get contraband in the form of cell phones and stuff, and they will let us know what's going on. Many times we had prisoners call in uh, to New Abolitionist Radio or, or Black Talk, Talk Radio, or their family members will maintain social media pages for these people and then dictate their stories on their on those social media accounts. They're trying to make that illegal in Texas. Why? Why don't they want this information getting out? Well, because if you get the information, some people might be moved to act. Some people might be moved to take a more in-depth look and say, you know what? Yeah, so-and-so might have did this, and, and, and you convicted him of that. But uh, when the judge gave him that sentence, I don't think included in that sentence was 10 years of rape. I don't think it was 10 years of beating. I don't think it was 10 years of solitary confinement that they put on, that, that was supposed to be part of the system, uh, sentence. So... I only feel like, you know, we're going to continue to see this increase. And I'm glad that thus far there's been no loss of life reported. And, and, and that's a miracle in itself. So I just want I just want, you know, everyone to know that this is a very serious issue. It is not going away. And if you believe like I believe that human beings should not be treated in such a manner as they become effectually the property of corporations, property of the state, property of the federal government, and public safety is not even a question. It's a question of profits. I hope that you will become an abolitionist and, 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 and get involved in whatever way you can. You know, just telling other people about the 13th Amendment, uh, telling them about these stories and how they relate to modern day slavery and human trafficking. You know, that's doing abolitionist work. That's spreading abolitionism. Uh, some might be equipped to do more. So just see where you can fit into this movement because we definitely need more and more abolitionists. Thanks, Max. I'd just like to make a couple uh, statements on this whole circumstance as well. For those that are familiar with New Abolitionist Radio, we did a series in 2015 called, was it 15 we did uh, America is Ferguson throughout the year 2015? Yeah, um, whatever year whatever year Ferguson went down. Right. Uh, and let me just give you some of the facts of what's going on there in Delaware, and I'll keep it short. You know, the total population, excuse me, the total population of uh, Delaware, excuse me, <laughs> sorry, is over four and a half million. It's 66% white and 27% black. The Latinos and Hispanics make up 6%, Native Americans make up 1%. Now, there's some quotes, and I just published this on New Abolitionist Radio about overcrowding. It says, financial. For the year ending June 30th, 2008, SCDC operated at a deficit of $3.9 million, increased 
Increases in food, utilities, transportation, and medical, in addition to a steadily rising increase in the inmate population, has made it impossible to operate within the current level of allocation from state SDSC. Contributed $12 million from other funding sources, i.e. prison industries and canteen, to support mandated services to inmates. Human resources, SCDC continues to be understaffed in security positions due to a lack of sufficient candidates and a turnover rate of 35.5% for correctional officers, up 34.5% from the year before. And they say that funding issues have impacted operations in several areas. Facility management continues to patch equipment which should be replaced with newer, more efficient equipment. Security is impacted. Radios that don't work inside institutions. Weaponry that is so old we can, it can no longer purchase replacement parts and have difficulty finding ammunition. Increased incidents of contraband coming in over perimeter fences. Inmates house three to a cell at some institutions and in some instances house two to a cell in lockup areas. Emissions and releases of sentences prisoners in 2012 and 2013 was 7,300 that came out and 6,700 that went in. So there you have it. It's overcrowded, and they don't have any resources that are being put into the prisons as these people were making their demands, those enslaved individuals. So there's always a story behind this, just like we had the story behind it with Wallace County, where they had a prison that was built for 700 but it had 3,000 people in it tents outside 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and working for a commercial institution. That's all I wanted to share, Scotty. Well, our main story tonight, as Scotty pointed out earlier, is an incredible victory by some of our young people in the uh, University of California, which resulted in $475 million, I like the way that sounds, worth of contracts lost from Wells Fargo. Scotty? Yes. Um, as Max just pointed out, this comes to you from the prison divestment movement, and I want to thank Inlace for uh, sending out the email alert, or this story might have slipped past us, but the um, this was published on January the 30th. Uh, they started off with a quote from uh, Chairman Fred Hampton, the, the assassinated Black Panther Party uh, chairman, leader in Illinois, of the Illinois chapter back in the 60s. And I just published a video about him yesterday it, it, uh, uh, showing him um, um, working on some issues for the community. But the quote is, if you dare to struggle, you dare to win. If you dare not struggle, then damn it, you don't deserve to win. Fred Hampton uh, again, that he was a uh, chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party assassinated by the Chicago police in the 1960s. Uh, back in December 2015, the African Black Coalition unanimously demanded for the University of California, UC, to divest from private prisons. Shortly after the demand, the University of California divested nearly 30 million from private prisons. While this was a monumentous and historic win, we knew our battle was not over, as the UC still maintained several relationships with Wells Fargo, who provide a $900 million credit line to Core Civic 
which is formerly Correction Corporation of America, and are also part of the Million Shares Club. I will also add, uh, um, and this is me speaking, over the years I have told you that Wells Fargo is the second largest investor in the GEO Group, which is the second largest private prison enslaver in the world. So let's add that to their resume as well. Uh, following continued advocacy from the African Black Coalition, the University of California has finally decided to discontinue several of its existing contracts, which total $475 million dollars uh, more specifically, the University of California has agreed to three key points. These are the three key points. Number one, terminated the $25 million commercial paper contract with Wells Fargo on November 2016. Number two, terminate the $150 million interest reset contract with Wells Fargo by April 1st, 2017. Number three, Terminate $200 million out of the $300 million line of credit with Wells Fargo by next month, and the remaining $100 million as soon as a replacement bank is found, which is actively being sought for. The UC's decision to discontinue $475 million worth of contracts and line of credit by April 2017 comes on the heels of of several cities and states terminating their relationships with a bank that has caused great harm to our communities. And you can read the rest of this. Uh, uh, Max, is it posted on New Abolitionist? Yes, sir. Okay, you can read yes, the sir. rest of that on there. couple of things. Let me say this first. I watched a video. I, I'm not going to call out the person's name, but I watched a video. And they were talking about prisoners making demands and what have you and they in this video they were minimizing I would dare say even mocking the audacity of oppressed people to put demands on the people running the system and so you know um, I hope that this story I hope that uh, our continued efforts, and when I say our, I'm talking about the new abolitionist movement collectively, uh, uh, which involves many organizations and many individuals. I, I hope, I hope that we change your mind on just sitting around waiting on the system to change. All right, you whether you want to call it a request or you call it a demand, whatever word you decide to use, these students put out a demand, and that demand was met. So I like to hear what they have to say as follow-up uh, uh, to this. So um, I can't say I'm, I'm just so proud of these young students, man. I am so proud of them, Max. If only I had been armed with the information that they have been armed with when I was their age who knows the fight might have been over if our generation had been thus educated that this was slavery that this was human trafficking and the job that the abolitionists set out to do hundreds of years ago in this country has yet to be done and we need to finish it we need to finish it so I am just so proud of the youth because our youth get a bad rap 
they are always being demonized, being portrayed as as young men and women who have no morals, who have no kind of compass, uh, who aren't doing anything but doing drugs and sagging their pants. All right, this flies in the face of that stereotype. So I salute, I salute uh, the the uh, African black coalition which is a group of students within the University of California system who have delivered the abolitionist movement a great victory in this war yes uh, I echo your sentiments and I've felt that way for years I've helped raise a lot of these young adults and helped to educate them on the circumstances along the way and I have got to give props to Columbia University which was the domino that started it all. Columbia University began this de, uh, divestment campaign and after 18 months managed to get Columbia University to divest over $30 million that they had directly into the prison industry. <laughs> and after that, we saw it happen across the board with colleges and universities, uh, particularly led by black people, got together to decide that we could do the same thing. And now look where we're at. Instead of $30 million, it's nearly $500 million, nearly half a billion dollars. I feel like Puff Daddy right now. Take that, take that, take that, take that. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay, brother. And if nobody ever told you to young people, I am proud of you too. And I put a post up on New Abolitionist Radio where I uh, wrote that specifically in detail to you. So if you get a chance, read the uh, my thank you note to the young generation of today. It's I very mean, inspirational, man. The 13th Amendment and the NAACP, where the college is uh, holding an NAACP town hall meeting and not the NAACP chapter there in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, so it's not the NAACP that's holding that. No, it's the collegiate chapter that's doing it. It's the young people that are doing it. The elders don't know what's going on. They have no clue. Well, they let's match, match. Max, let me, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but you know, I, I just like taking digs at people every once in a while. But we're not talking about all the elders. We're not talking about all the baby, baby boomers because they have been very instrumental in giving us guidance. And we're not talking about, we're not talking about. Well, I, let me not um, go there. But, you know, I want to thank some of the professors out there, some of the uh, abolitionists out there who are our elders like Angela Davis yes. and some other people that I know and, and have learned from. Uh, Lorenzo, uh, uh, what's Lorenzo Kamban and his wife, Sister Jonina? Um, uh, shout, yeah, shout out to Brother uh, Nash Munyega up there in Canada. These are baby boomer uh, elders. Mr. Louis Farrakhan, who is leading the way in an abolitionist movement now, too. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Sister Asada Shakur, okay? Because many of these young people are citing her as an influence, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, uh, we're not going to say all, we're not going to paint all the elders with a broad brush. That's Just not. Like, no, we're not going to say all the youth either. Exactly. So thank you to everybody. Like I say, there is no generational divide. There's only an ideological divide. Yes, sir. You're right on the money with that, brother. There are those who are fighting on both sides. 
Uh, and I'm proud of these young people who are in the battle, right up on the front line, doing what they can. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need a lot of resources. You just need the will to do something. You need the desire to put one foot in front of the other and take one step at a time toward the goal of change. And you can do that. Anybody can do it. If these kids in the universities and the high schools and stuff can do it, you can do it. Max, we have a call. Uh, uh, looks like a call from your neck of the woods, area code 803. Did you have a question or comment for us? Your last four is 3530. You unmuted yourself. Did you have a question or comment? We can't hear you. Okay, maybe they're just listening, Max. If uh, anyone has a question or comment that you would like to get in, please give us a call at 866-510-9025. Hit star star. That will unmute you. I will see you on the board, and we will get your question or comment in. But I'm just so excited, Max. I mean, this is like two weeks in a row. Maybe three weeks in a row we've had good news to report, as opposed to uh, uh, two hours of nothing but bad news from the field uh it it is just i'm feeling real good max i'm feeling real good about this well yeah there we have our reasons to feel good we've got our wins and we've got our losses but i gotta admit that it seems like we're having a few more wins than we are losses we are making ground one of the biggest losses we had was when trump was elected because you know there was a time at one point where uh thanks to our collective efforts we almost put the uh main private prisons out of business on August 18th with the announcement of the Department of Justice. But then come November 9th with the election of Donald Trump, those stocks shot right back up into the sky. But maybe now, with the help of us publicizing this win uh, from the University of California, those stocks will drop down again. Because remember, we're here to put them out of business. They shouldn't even be here. They have no business working within our borders, buying and selling human beings and betting on and counting on our demise and our destruction because that's what you're betting on that we're going to keep going to prison more and more that we're going to keep dying more and more that we're going to keep facing so much poverty that we have no choice but to resort to illegal activities and then they're going to make activities that aren't illegal illegal just to be able to get more people as they've recently done here, uh, as we reported here in Columbia, South Carolina, with our homeless population. Max, uh, one thing before we move on to another story is, uh, again, I want to stress to everyone, I put this call out over the years. Please answer that call like my own mother did. My own mother was, was uh, had an account with Wells Fargo. And when I started finding this information out about Wells Fargo, I presented her with that information. And now it, it took her a little bit of time to absorb it and find another uh, uh, prison slavery free bank to put her money in. She, you know, joined a, a credit union. Uh, my sister's a teacher and she was able to get in that credit union. But she took her money out once armed with that information about Wells Fargo being a huge investor in, in slavery. OK, so each and every one of you who hear the sound of my voice, if you have an account with Wells Fargo, close that account. If you have an account with banks, Bank of America, another invest, large investor in modern-day slavery and human trafficking, close that account. If you have any influence over your mosque, over your synagogue, over your church, 
and you're taking up collections and, and collectively putting the people's money into any of these banks, again, I implore you to take your money out. We can defund this thing without any legislation whatsoever. These kids didn't need no legislation to be passed to get that university to remove $450 million. That's, al- that's almost a half a billion dollars. They didn't beg no politician to pass a law. No, they, they hit them where it hurts most, in their pocketbook. So while I'm not saying, while we do want to take legislative approaches, but like we have said, when we launched this program, Max is an anarchist. I'm not an anarchist, okay? Uh, We come from different backgrounds and and what have you. Not so different, but different points of view. Uh, But we came to agree on this is slavery and it needs to end, okay? So, so do what you can by any means necessary death by a thousand paper cuts is what we say so there's just no excuse for us to expect things to change and we're not even willing to do the very least that we can do by just simply closing our accounts in institutions that are invested in the institution of slavery and Wells Fargo has been since their uh, uh, creation Involved in slavery, it's time to shut them down. Time to shut them down, man. Indeed, we're almost up on our next break. I want to give people a preview of one of the things that I'd like to talk about. But nothing is set in stone. The phone lines are open. If you want to talk, we want you to hear from you today. So in those days where we're like, come on, call in and share what you want to share with us. Ask what questions you want to ask. We'll make time for you. But in, what I do want to speak about during the evening is what's going on within the Trump administration now with uh, we have uh, where Trump creates supposedly a constitutional crisis and apparently there's a fight with the Department of Justice to fire the top, top lawyers and I believe uh, I'm trying to pull up from the Nation mag- the, the Nation article here where uh, what, do you remember the name of the woman that's, that uh, decided she would not enforce his laws uh, his, yeah, I've got it right here. It took Richard Nixon almost five years to launch a Saturday Night Massacre. Donald Trump lost a Monday Night Massacre in just ten days. And they're talking in here where they're saying it um, on the evening October twenty seventh. Blah, blah blah blah. Pardon the blah blah blahs. I'm trying to get to the good part here. Uh, it's a long story. Okay, Yates. There we go. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about this story about how there's supposedly a constitutional crisis and one of his administration got fired because she wouldn't follow his directives in regards to this Muslim man. So I'm looking forward to adding my thoughts to this because I'm tired of hearing about constitutional violations and constitutional crises that don't really address the real constitutional crises. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back on the the other side, we'll either take a call or we'll get into that story. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio here with Max Parkins and Scotty Reed. Brother Yohanan Alaya is not able to make it here with us tonight, but he'll be back next week. And we will be right back after these messages.
Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. You are tuned in to Black Talk Radio, new black media for the new millennium. Please and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, Scotty, anybody on the phone lines before we get into the next story? If you want to speak, just uh, press star star to unmute yourself or ca- call in the dial in number. Uh, Scotty, you know the number by heart. What is That number is 866-510-9025. That is 866-510-9025. Hit star, star to unmute yourself. And we do have someone on the board. Max, area code 740. Go ahead with your question or comment. Hotel Brothers again. This is is Tony Crane again. I was just um, going to take the opportunity to just get some of the things off my own mind since you guys offer the um the floor. You know, I <clears throat> I fancy myself an MC. Um I think that music has always been one of our culture's most prolific ways of spreading um wisdom and knowledge and affecting the the you know, music affects every part of the brain, it affects our souls. So I use it to spread knowledge, wisdom, whatever. You know, I, I know you guys understand where I'm coming from, but oh, I understand as a poet, I do the same um, thing. Right, and yes, yes, indeed. Um, I remember in 2000, either 13 or 14, I read Michelle Alexander's book, um, "Mass Incarceration Is the New Jim Crow," and while I was already aware, and I think most of us initiated or not growing up in the the neighborhoods and the environments that we grow up in, we already know that slavery never ended. You know, either with or without the facts that are presented in that book, you know. But once I read that book, I was completely blown away. I mean, I had never, you know, seen it all packaged and, and read it all in, in front of me. I had it laid out before before me. And since then, I see it every everywhere I go with everything. I mean, the the music that the music industry promotes, the television shows that promote these negative stereotypes of our people. You, you can't even watch every movie anymore without seeing it in the movies, right? At, at all, you you really can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I don't. I don't watch TV with people because people get mad at me because I'm like, dude, did you see that? What do you look at that? That's craziness. You know, my my, my aunt was watching um, the Andy Griffith show and I was like, no, I, I can't even do it at all. I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? So I see it in everything, you know, and now these 
The police, I'm telling people, the police have a mandate. They've been mandated to kill us or lock us up. They are. They have no. They have. They they have no fear of being reprimanded. They unless they they fail to kill us or arrest us, then they might get. Then they then they might go to jail. Or get no. Then they might get fired. They're not even going to jail. They can plant evidence, try and plant evidence, get caught, get videotaped doing it, and still won't go to jail. And I mean, it's it's so obvious. It's blatant. It's right. It's blatant. I mean, it's obvious. I mean. It's the slave patrol. They, they they go out, they arrest us. Whether we do something or not, we still go to jail. They bust into people's house. Uh, I remember I saw that story, four cops busting into somebody's house. They had it all on video. They was pepper spraying people and arresting people, and none of them went to jail. I mean, that's craziness. And um, I try and I, I, I'm just trying to tell my people. You know, I'm not my people, but I, my, my circle. You know, my friend, my circle of friends, because... Whether or not they listen, they I, it'll at least be in the back of their head. But I keep telling them, I'm like, I don't, I don't care if you guys listen. Teach the children, because as far as I'm concerned, they are only hope. You know, if we can teach them now, if I can teach my son now who's seven, now what it is, and I can teach his friends, then perhaps in the next generation or the next generation, two or three generations, I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. I don't want him to have to wait until he's 33 years old, even if, I mean, because I've been on this journey since I was like 16. I opened my mind up and, you know, but I didn't have it like this when I was 16 years old. I wish I did. But, you know, I'm just saying like, I don't see how most people, more, more, more people don't see what's going on. Actually, I do. They're brainwashed. They're conditioned, you know what I'm saying, by the system. So they can't see it. They're blind to it. But it, it's it's just obvious. In this prison population, it's modern-day slavery. I'm telling people, man, chattel slavery. I remember somebody said, I don't think you know what you're talking about. It's not chattel slavery. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> yes, it is chattel slavery still today in 2017. You like know, brother, um, um, what's, your, what's your name again, brother? Tony Crane. Tony Crane. Hey, Tony. Um, yeah, man, I, I know what you up against. It's like they're fighting the programming, man, because, you know, they've been programmed all their lives like like us. You know, we went to school. They told us Lincoln did this great thing. He issued the Emancipation Proclamation. They didn't tell us that Frederick Douglass called it a stupendous fraud. Um, you know, and, and, and so Steven Spielberg made this movie called Lincoln. So it's constantly being programmed into us that slavery was abolished. And so so now they try to make a distinction and they'll say, oh, uh, you know, this is different than chattel slavery. But I'm like you, you, Tony. This is chattel slavery, you know, and usually when I hear people making that distinction, they're talking about reparations. They're talking about reparations. Um, my stand on reparations is is that, hey, you asking for, for payment for something that happened to your ancestors. What about what's happening to you? What happened to your father, mm. your grandfather, people that's still alive? This is still going on. And, and so before you can ask for reparations, let's first end slavery first. Then we can talk about reparations le- later. And then that's going to open it up to just more than just black people because there, again, we have come full circle in America, okay, where now, you know, while they primarily focus on our people, uh, they are locking, they're making new slaves out of a whole lot of people. But on the music tip, man, 
hey, I want to thank those artists out there that's putting that message, that abolitionist message in in the music. Maybe if you can, we can, if you can come across some of those tracks and what have you, you can incorporate those into what you do on your job. You know, because I can think of a number of artists, man, we play the music sometimes on the station where they're talking about the 13th Amendment, they're talking about these uh, issues in a very real way. And I know a lot of people feel feel have different feelings about uh Kanye West but I'm forever grateful to Kanye for putting out that song New Slave in the way that he did it so hey a the music community there a last week we played was that last week Max where we played that track by uh Common and other artists and they talking Uh, about it yeah so you're right Tony uh, music plays an important role in telling these stories and, and we need to get the truth to, to our people to anybody who would listen uh, any way we can so shout out to you man for what you're doing and, and just trying to influence those in your immediate circle indeed uh, like I said music is so potent it goes straight to the soul like you just said but yeah man I want to thank you for that too and I'm uh, in agreement with everything that you said. It can be very difficult. I just got some breaking news into I just want to share. Apparently there is a live report. There's what they're calling is a riot is going on right now in Berkeley University uh, where uh, uh, Milo Giannopoulos was scheduled to speak there. And uh, apparently there's fires. They're breaking the windows. And my wife is telling me because it's on the news right now. What is it? The police are locked in the building. And the students and whatnot are trying to get inside the building, beating down barricades, hammers, and windows, and everything. Well, there you have it. The students have locked the police in the building. <laughs> oh, wow. No, the police locked themselves. Oh, the police locked themselves in the building. All right. Did you hear that, Scotty? Yes. Man, so you might want to watch that. Just, it's just happening right now, so it's breaking news. But indeed, uh, Brother Tony Crane, I, I know where you're coming from, man. You can't watch a movie. You can't watch TV. You can't watch a billboard. You can't walk down the freaking street without seeing how deeply embedded this is in every aspect of our society. It's almost like wearing those glasses from day where if you lift them up, you don't see it. And you put them down, you see it. But it's permanently having them on now. Once the veils are removed from your eyes, you see just how badly it affects us. Yes, indeed. Man, terrible, terrible. Was there anything else you want to uh, mention, uh, Tony? Um, you know what? No, not necessarily, but you know, um, perhaps one of these days I can get you brothers to play. Um, I got at least one track. I got more tracks I'm working on that um, are, you know, straight knowledge, straight abolitionism. Um, I don't, you know, I, there's not a whole bunch of profanity. I definitely don't use the N-bomb. So, you know, maybe I, maybe one day you guys can um, listen to my music and decide if you want to play it yourselves. And in the future, when I drop some more stuff, you'll like that as well. Well, we on Black Talk Radio Network, Tony, we have a station dedicated solely to what I have uh, labeled message music so yeah certainly uh get my email address from max or you can just send it to info at blacktalkmediaproject.org and we'll get those tracks uploaded to the station okay that's what's up brother that is what's up there you go man info at blacktalkradiomediaproject 
No, uh, info info at blacktalkmediaproject.org. All right, all right, got you. There you go. Man, it's been a heck of a day. And <laughs> now you got riots going on in Berkeley. These kids are not playing anymore, man. They are not playing. They know what's going down. They know their lives are on the line. You can't sit there and tell a child or a young adult that they have a one in three chance to go into prison and don't think they take that as a threat. That's not a warning. That's a promise. One, get two of your friends, one of y'all going to prison. That's how they're looking at it. Like you were about to destroy their lives and they never know when it's going to happen. Terrible conditions, man. Well, there was something that I did. Uh, I said the story I wanted to get into, but again, we want to hear from you. If there's anybody else before we get into the story, we're, we're dedicating this day basically to you. So if you want something to, to speak, here's your opportunity. Just uh, call in the number or press star star to unmute yourself. Anyone else, Scotty? No, Max. Oh, yes. Um, uh, 803 again. Um, uh, let's try 803 again. Maybe we could hear him this time. Uh, 803, you just unmuted yourself. Thank you for calling in. Go ahead with your question or comment. Okay, we're still unable to hear you. You might have your hand uh, device muted. Uh, we're, oh, we're I'm sorry. Can you Yes. There you go. We yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm sorry. I had my phone muted so I wouldn't be making noise. Um, the quick question: There's a lot of people out here who would love to to join to do something. They they there's people that are interested in what is it that we can do. For instance, a long time ago, I <laughs> I don't know why. I don't actually why I contacted the NAACP because I really wanted to help make some changes in my community. Um, I'm very vocal, but I wanted to do something outside of being vocal on the Internet. But it just seemed like no matter where I turned, especially with the NAACP, there was a long process. No one wanted um, any new people. Um, I offered my services to NAACP. They told me, um, you could fill out a membership form. It's $100 a year, blah, 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 blah. And that was pretty much the end of it. There's a lot of people out here who just want to be a part of something. They want to know what it is that they can do. We understand about the financial boycotts, but we're in the rural south here, so it's it's not a lot that we can actually boycott, you know, other than, like you said, pulling our monies out of certain financial institutions, putting them in black-owned businesses. We need more black-owned businesses. But as far as the resistance, we got angry people out here. we got level-headed people out here. Who do we call? How do we link up together? Scotty Reed, uh, would you like to speak yes. or shall I? Yes. Um, we, when we started this program, I was like that. What can I do? When I came into the knowledge of the information, uh, slavery was never abolished. It was just simply refined and moved to the prisons. When I started understanding what the black codes were really about, when I started understanding what all of these new laws criminalizing uh, nonviolent people behavior. I, when I I said, you know what, I need to take this information to whoever will listen. So I called up a couple of people. Max, being one of them, reached out to him through over social media. And five years ago, we started New Abolitionist Radio. At the same time, we started a group on Facebook called Move to Abolish Twenty First Century Slavery. Now, we are not like a, a legal organization. We are not a nonprofit. We're not a 501c3. We're just a movement. 
a movement that is made up of different organizations and individuals doing whatever they can based off of their resources and their talent. So so uh, uh, what I would advise you to do is if you can't find an abolitionist movement in your local area, to start one. And that just simply that can just simply consist of having regular abolitionist meetings with with people you have converted to abolitionism, um, attacking the issues. You know, you can you can do all the things that, uh, let's say, the NAACP or Al Sharpton's National Action Network is doing without being a formal organization. All right. And, and, and so I just implore you is to just think about what your talents are, think about what your resources are, and and just build a movement from the ground up. Um, actually, a good way for you to start is to become involved in this march that's coming up in August because it, uh, uh, Max will share that information again, but they're asking people to start local organizing uh, committees you know, in support of the march. So maybe that's where you can where you can start. So just get in right. where you fit in, ma'am. Because right. I'm here in Columbia, and I, I'm not from South Carolina, but I You're just my find a lot of people over here in my area just really don't want to rock the boat. And so it's kind of hard wanting to be a part of something and doing something when there's just a bunch of people that's not willing to rock the boat. And I don't know how to find I'm not from here, so I don't know how to find the people that's willing to rock it, kick it, slam it, turn it upside down, and flip it. <laughs> Well, you're in my neighborhood, uh, and tomorrow night I will be at the session live in Columbia, South Carolina. I'll post the flyer on New Abolitionist Radio. You should come down and talk to me, and I can give you some ideas. But Scotty did hit the nail. Scotty did hit the nail on the head. The most important thing we can all do right now is get involved in this Millions for Prisoners March on Washington. Tell organized people who will attend the event or even hold, uh, uh, whether the artistics or just gathering events in your area uh, in honor of and in uh, connection with the March on Washington. We prefer you come there, uh, even if it's just four or five people in a car, a carpool, you know what I mean? Like, we're just us five can go. If you can get 20 or 30, that's fantastic. But we really think that everybody should be involved in this Millions for Prisoners March on Washington. We are coming to make change that day. And some of the things we've already discussed, some of the organizations that are involved will blow your mind. I just want to move a little bit in silence and not give too much of what's happening at that point just yet, if you understand what I mean. But I've been in on the uh, core meetings, and I can tell you this is going to be one of the most powerful and largest things we've ever seen in this nation with people coming together for a single cause to end slavery in America. And we're bringing legislators and legislation and demands, and we know exactly what we want to accomplish when we get there. And we're going to be able to make those things happen one way or another. So that is probably the most important thing that you can do. Another thing that you can do is, we, you know, I always feel that education is the first step to anything. You need to know. Because if you're going to go out here and fight for something and you don't even know about it, then you might be fighting against yourself. So I would suggest that you have a sit-in, uh, watch with several of your neighbors in your community to watch three different films in this order. That would be Slavery by Another Name from PBS, which you can get for free. The other one would be Second, Thirteenth, which is uh, available on Netflix. And the final one will be Do Not Resist, 
which is also available for free. Just sit down like once a week and watch the first one. Talk about it a little bit. Then the second one, talk about it. Then the third one, and talk about it. With those three films, you will come to a much greater understanding of how we got here, where we're at, and where we're going now. And with that knowledge in mind, you will know how to counter such things or even be prepared, not only for yourself, but for your children or your family so they know that you've got to be careful of these things because this will increase your percentage of being enslaved. So if you avoid it, you reduce your percentage of being enslaved. So those things can be very helpful. So, I, hey, I just want to add, though, see, you're lucky. You're, you're, the people you're looking for is right there. Uh, Max and his lovely wife, Tribal Rain. We got Brother Dabaha, who is with the Black Lives Matter chapter. He down there, and he's an abolitionist. Oh, wow. So, I didn't know that there was one here. Yeah, you got a hotbed of activity, and you talking to the man at the center of it all, Max Parthas. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I made the right phone call tonight. <laughs> Yes, yes, ma'am. And I'll get that flyer up on New Abolitionist Radio, so maybe you can come down and talk to me personally tomorrow night when we go down to the section line. Yes, sir. I would really love to. Indeed, man. I, I don't get out often. When I go out, it's just like for important things. You know what I mean? I'm trying to reduce my percentage and being such a high-profile figure. I really don't want to get shot in the head at any moment. You know, costing $450 million is a reason to get killed. You know what I mean? So I, I don't want to be risking that too often. I've still got some fighting to do. But the session line is something we uh, started back in 2008, and it's one of the largest and longer-running spoken word events in the Columbia area, and I think you will have a wonderful time there. I would I would enjoy that, and I'm going to do my best to get out there tomorrow night. I, I, I don't really go too many places in Columbia. I'm like you. I, I keep a low profile. I don't joyride if I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but I would love to link up with you, brother, and, and tomorrow night I most definitely will try my best to be out there. Okay, I fantastic. Well, what was your name again, man? Uh, my name is Cookie. Cookie? Yes, sir. All right, Cookie. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow night. Was there any other questions that you would like to ask? And also, was the information that you received helpful? Oh, it was very helpful. That was the only question that I've had. I've had um, Max on my on my on my Facebook for a minute now, and I've been kind of following him, but I never really see him post anything about like what you all are doing in Columbia. And I was kind of I didn't I'm kind of shy when it comes to asking people, but I'm just I'm tired of not knowing. So I just that was the only question I wanted. I've been wanting to ask that question for a long time. All right, we got you covered then, Cookie. I'll see you tomorrow. Most definitely. Peace. Peace and good night, and thanks for tuning in. Yes, oh, oh. yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Cookie. You wanted to say? Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and thanks for tuning in to New Abolitionist Radio, and and you know, use this as a resource as well. We got five years of archives. Uh, you could start a human rights trial with the evidence we have turned up in that in that uh five years. But Max, uh, let me make a quick network announcement. Um, Minds, Body, and Spirit Radio usually follows uh, New Abolitionist Radio, um, but they were not able to do their live program tonight, and there was a mix-up with them sending me the pre-recorded program. So it will uh, be uploaded to the station and the platform, blacktalkradionetwork.com, but it will not stream live 
um, tonight because I have to make some edits to it so I, I don't have time. So, Max, um, we got a couple of segments we need to get to, the underground um, railroad writers and then the abolitionists in profile. Yes, sir. Uh, we have, uh, like I said, it was a few stories that I wanted to get into, but we can skip them. It's, today was kind of a freestyle. So I'm uh, trying to pull up our story for our writer of the 21st century underground railroad right now. As I said earlier in the uh, broadcast, it's a little unusual uh, because we're picking somebody who hasn't really spent any time in prison or jail. But there was this uh, woman and her daughters who were assaulted out in Texas by police. Apparently, um, a neighbor who was also a white contractor assaulted her child and she came and confronted them and called the police. The police came along and the video, so all of this is available so you can see it both from the leaked video cam from the officer's uh, body cam as well as the videos from the uh, daughter of the woman and her family that was assaulted. But the cop came along and told this, uh, the woman told her what, hap- what happened and that the man choked her son and she was the, the policeman uh, asked her uh, basically uh, what was wrong with this white guy choking her little black child and uh, then when they got upset because he came at him from that direction they ended up, this policeman ended up arresting and assaulting not only the mother but both of her children and terrorizing them and then sending them into jail. Uh, after the film came out, the woman was uh, released, her children were released, the charges were all dropped. I'm going to read a little bit of it right here, and then we'll go on to our abolitionist and profile and closing statement. Uh, Fort Worth, misdemeanor assault charges will be filed Thursday against the man accused of assaulting a seven-year-old boy, an incident that led to the controversial arrest of his mother and two daughters, that, of a mother and two daughters that was caught on video, authority, authority said. Police also said the charges pending before a talent county grand jury against the boy's mother and her daughter and those involving the officer will be pulled, according to the new release. The case involving Officer William Martin, who is accused of using excessive force, will continue to be handled administratively, said Police Chief Joe Fitzgerald. Martin, who is back at work after a 10-day suspension, 10-day suspension, had has appealed the disciplinary action taken against him. Fitzgerald said Martin will not be returning to the Rock Garden neighborhood in southwest Fort Worth where the incident occurred on December 21st. We have consulted with the district attorney's office and we have decided to withdraw all matters related to this arrest. Of the boy's mother, Jacqueline Craig, 46, her daughter, Bria Hyman, 19, according to the news release. Uh, it Amar Vardy, the neighbor, will be charged with assault by contact as a result of his actions in the initial incident, the release said. The charge is a Class C misdemeanor, which is punishable by up to a $500 fine. The case will be handled in municipal court. Now, why did I choose this woman and her children as the rider of the Underground Railroad? Because she dodged a bullet. If not for the video, she would be in jail with her children right now. Well, that video... In addition to that, Max, not just the video, because they can put a video out and, and still do whatever they want to if there's no outcry, if there is no one uh, uh, issuing the call for justice. So the video, mm-hmm. along with all of those who advocated on her behalf, 
and shared this story of this injustice, this attempted slave catching, because that's what it was, an attempted slave catching. You you did that. You you are running the 21st century Underground Railroad. And so count her family as some of those that you have saved from slavery. Yes, indeed. So here in New Abolitionist Radio, we would like to salute uh, our rider of the 21st century Underground Railroad, which is Jacqueline Craig and her two daughters. I am so glad that you are not behind bars with your children. Salute. Salute. Skyler, you have our abolitionists in profile for this week as we respect those who came before us and marched beside us in this fight for the abolitionists. Well, not, not just before us. Remember, as we start including modern-day abolitionists because yeah, of the... I said as beside us as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if the mainstream media ain't going to highlight them, we certainly need to. And And we already talked about their story. But this week, I want to highlight as our abolitionists... Uh, uh, plural in profile the African Black Coalition the African Black Coalition was created in 2003 by black students within the University of California system who found the low admittance and retention rates of black students intolerable the derogatory relationship between the university and their black student population was linked to the historical oppression of black African people uh, who have faced this throughout the advancement of Western civilization. Thus, UCABC was founded to preserve the cultural traditions and political fervor of the uh, diasporic Africans within the student population of the UC system. Since then, the organization has branched out to be more inclusive of all black students and community members in California, the collective has organized itself structurally, strategically formalizing an executive team to work with black students and the community to successfully implement programs, projects, trainings that empower all African people. Uh, the founding members in 2003 included Jewel Love, uh, uh, Ian Long, and Edwina Williams, Nishan Neal. Catherine Sylvester, uh, Rihanna, or uh, Rania, Abdus uh, Samad, and Renita Cheney, uh, Adia Smith, and Vernita Johnson, and Tiana Lynch, and uh, last but not least, Stephanie Akpa. Um, and again, we just highlighted uh, their tremendous victory that they have delivered to abolitionists and getting the UC school system uh, to divest almost a half a billion dollars from Wells Fargo, one of the main investors and historically uh, uh, investors in slavery. So we salute the African Black Coalition. Salute. Yes, salute. indeed. All right. Uh, looks like we, uh, Max, you dropped off the board. Max will be calling uh, right back in. So, you know, I, I just, I don't like to, okay, we got Max, Max back. Uh, you know, I, I just hope that what these students were able to do uh, serves as a, 
Uh, Max, hit star star and unmute yourself because I got a couple of 803s and I don't. There you go, bro. All right. Uh, yeah. But let their, let the, these students great accomplishment. Again, the war is not over. We're st- still lots of work to be done. But we do need to celebrate the victories uh, when they come. And so let their story be an inspiration to you that you can uh, do what it is you set out to do as long as you are 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 determined and you're, you're courageous and more most importantly you are armed with conviction and so I, I don't want to hear anything about what we can't do or how big and bad the system is we gonna we gonna take it down block by block chip by chip however a thousand by a thousand paper cuts and so let them be an inspiration to us all word uh is that your final comments or yes that that'll be well no here's my final comments um my final comments are thus um we just got through speaking to mike uh palombi uh who was speaking from experience a former slave on a slave plantation here in america um he's doing what he can to uh, be a part of the solution and not be a part of the problem. So I want to give him a shout out and thank him for his work in abolitionism. Um, uh, you're much needed and, and we need all hands on deck. Again, uh, another shout out to the student abolitionists out there. Uh, don't let anybody uh, speak badly about you. Um, and say you know you're nothing but stereotypes and you don't know what you're doing and you're a lost generation and this and that because you are not you are the generation that is going to finish the job that should have been finished in 1865 if not for the betrayal of Abraham Lincoln salute salute um, I guess, first of all, I would like to thank our guest, Mike Palumbi, for participating in New Abolitionist Radio today. Thank you, and salute, brother, and good luck in all your endeavors. And please continue speaking about abolition and the abolition of slavery in particular in your uh, further endeavors. I'd also like to speak on behalf of our brother, Yohanan, who is not here. When He would, al- he would always say at the end of the show, uh, peace to the abolitionists and death to the oppressors. And I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine who has a blog by the uh, name of My Name is Jamie, My Life in Prison, and I will close with what he said. He said, I read hundreds of articles and watched dozens of videos and movies. I have written and read hundreds and hundreds of letters from inmates and written hundreds of articles to bring alive the fact that people are in prison are ordinary people like you and me who breathe and hope and dream. Yes, some of are violent criminals, but we also have a violent people on the outside, and some of them are the people who are supposed to protect us. But the majority of the people in prison are there to make money for corporations like CCA, Correction Corporation of America, who still depend on slave labor for profit. They created a monster with an appetite that needs to be fed. You've been listening to New Abolitionist Radio. I'm Max Parthas. Remember, abolition is a reason for a revolution, so we can finally know peace. Peace. The organizer has ended this eager conference. Goodbye. Just lift your eyes up. 
Let your wise rise up. See the signs of the times. If it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice.